Hi, it's Carolina. I'm so excited that you could join us on the City Point Redcliffe podcast. You're just about to hear a message from one of our incredible preaching team, and I know you're going to be encouraged and inspired by what you hear. If it does encourage you, why don't you share it with someone who you know might need to hear it as well? And make sure you subscribe so you don't miss any of the messages that are uploaded every single week. And for now, sit back and enjoy. I hope you get blessed. In this Faith, Love, Hope season, I want to share around a familiar passage of Scripture. It is, as I look at it, is one of the, the great miracles of provision that Jesus has done uh, through his ministry life and uh, he continues to do great miracles of provision in our days and so we're going to look at the story in Luke chapter 9 uh, reading from verse 10 of this great miracle don't switch off because you're like I learned that you know years ago in Sunday school it's there's always something fresh something new uh, that God wants to deliver to us and so let's pick up the story Luke 9 verse 10 it says and the apostles when they had returned told him all that they had done it is a is a God has Jesus sent out the apostles full of authority, full of power. They've gone out preaching the gospel, healing the sick, casting out demons. And now they've come back and they're giving the ministry reports to Jesus of the great things that took place as he has sent them out. And Jesus sort of stops them mid-track. Not that he doesn't necessarily want to hear the ministry reports and the great things that God has done. But he says these words to me. He took them aside and went aside privately into a deserted place belonging to the city called Bethsaida. Is that Jesus wants you and I to be with him before we go for him. Is that you and I are designed to have this great relationship with Jesus. And out of that relationship, we go and do the work of the kingdom. And so he takes Messiah into a deserted place. But when the multitudes knew it, they followed after Jesus. And Jesus received them and spoke to them about the kingdom of God and healed those who had need of healing. And when the day began to wear away, the 12 came and said to him, send the multitude away that they may go into the surrounding towns and country and lodge and get provisions there. For we are in a deserted place. But he said to them, you give them something to eat. Well, when the day began to wear away, have you ever had a day, a week, a month, a season that has just worn away at you? Is the disciples have had one of these days that has just worn them down. And I have found in life that we will have seasons in life that just literally wear us down. It wears us down, you know, physically and, and mentally and emotionally and spiritually. The, where days would wear us down, it, it takes its toll on us. Is that life may not have worked out exactly how you intended and planned life to work out. But I have found in the times where we may be worn away, is that God is there and His strength and His power and His presence is available to each and every one of us. And, and the passage goes on. And they said to Jesus, we have no more than five loaves and two fish unless we go and buy food for all of these people. For there were about 5,000 men. And then Jesus said to his disciples, make them sit down, sit down into groups of 50. Oh, I love the Jesus into numbers, eh? Is God, he is so ordered. And sometimes before the miraculous needs to take place is you and I need to bring some order 
to our lives and to our situations. He sits them down into groups of 50, not 48. I can imagine they were precise there. They, they were groups of 50. And they did so and made them all sit down. And then he took the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he blessed and he broke them. And he gave them to the disciples to set before the multitude. And so they all ate and were filled and 12 baskets of the leftover fragments were taken up by them. This, here, this is the largest crowd that Jesus has ever ministered to. There were 5,000 men plus women and children. There is a great multitude that is in front of him and they located in a deserted place. And I love that Jesus here, he sees a natural need. Is that humanity has followed him into a deserted place. And he has ministered to them faithfully all day long. And now at the end of the day, he sees a crowd that is hungry. And I am so grateful that we have a God who is mindful of our natural needs. <laughs> that He is mindful of each and every one of us. He is mindful of the situation we find ourselves in. And out of seeing that natural need, He says to His disciples, let's feed them. Disciples are like, there is no way that we're able to feed them. We, we just, we have this little lad's lunch. We have a, a few loaves and fish, but there's no natural way that we can feed them. Have you ever noticed that God would take you to places where you can't get what needs to be gotten? And Jesus sees this natural need. And you and I have to remember that they are not on a farm, that they're in a deserted place, that they are not near a shopping center. They are in a deserted place. There seems no natural means or ways in which this great multitude can be fed. But Jesus says to them and that in this, when I take you into a deserted place, is it's in those places where you can see the another part of the nature and the character of God. You could see that He is our great Jehovah Jireh, a God who would provide for us. And there's seasons God will take you and I into deserted places where it's only God that can supply our need. See, as humanity, we know everything about scarcity and lack. Where we experience scarcity and lack. But Jesus and the kingdom of heaven, it knows nothing about scarcity it knows absolutely nothing about lack. And then we see this great miracle unfold. And so this morning, I want to share a few thoughts with you. My first thought is this. Would you and I recognize what we have? Verse 13, it says, But Jesus said to them, You give them something to eat. What pressure. And they said, We have no more than five loaves and two fish, unless we go and buy food for all of these people. For there were about 5,000 men. Would you and I recognize what we actually have? As God says to us, is that I have given you all things that pertain to life and to godliness. Uh, many times we can look at our lives and think we, we've got nothing. But God said, no, I have given you everything that pertains to life and to godliness. Do you realize what you are sitting on right now? Do you know the investment that the God, God had has placed inside of your life, that you are the temple of the Holy Spirit? Would you actually recognize what God has placed inside of your life? Do you know the gifts and talents and abilities that He has placed inside of you? 
that you are uniquely made to, to minister to somebody else, that your gifts and talents are, make up this great whole in the kingdom of God? Would you and I recognize what we have? And the disciples in this moment, they recognize that they have a meal for one, a boy's lunch, five loaves and two fish. And even though you and I may say that's an insufficient meal to feed the great multitude that is there, is God is simply asking each of us, would you recognize what you have? In 2 Kings chapter 4, in verse 1 through to 6, there's a great miracle that takes place here. It says this, A certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophets cried out to Elisha, saying, Your servant, my husband, is dead. And you know that your servant feared the Lord, and the creditor is coming to take my two sons to be his slaves. Wow, what a situation. What a predicament she finds herself in. So Elisha said to her, What shall I do for you? He doesn't even let her answer that question. It's like he may be thinking, oh, there's a better question I can frame right now. He says, well, tell me, what do you have in your house? I, I want you to recognize something that you have in your possession that God can actually work upon. And she said, your maidservant has nothing in the house. As she considers this question, well, what do you have? Her response is, I have nothing in my house. And there's many times when you and I can look and see what we have and we consider it to be nothing. And there's times I've looked in my own life and said, I have nothing. And we come to that conclu conclusion that we have nothing is when we see the, the magnitude of the obstacle, when we see the giant that is in front of us, the situation that surrounds us, and we look and we see that we have nothing inside of us that can actually deal with that issue, that we have nothing inside of me. And she's saying, I have nothing that's going to fix this problem of the creditor coming to take away my two sons. I have nothing. But God is simply asking, no, no, no. You have something. Would you just consider what you do have? But so often our default position is, I just have nothing that God can move upon. Would you think a little bit deeper? Would you go through the cupboards and have a look? And she says these words, but, that's the best but ever. I have nothing but a jar of oil. That's all God needs for you and I just to recognize what we do have. And the prophet says to the sons, I want you to go and get every container you can find. I want you to go through every street, knock on every door. I want you to invade every Tupperware party that's happening in the village right now. I, I want you to get every container, bring it back to the house. And as they brought all these vessels and containers in, the prophet says to this, widow would you just start pouring and as she poured container after container after container after container was filled to the brim the miracle stops when she has no empty vessels left in her hand is every one of those vessels was filled 
until she had no more empty vessels in her hands. Could you and I dare to believe that when you and I recognize what we have, is that God could continue to pour out our lives into every empty vessel that we can find? Would we simply recognize? It's just a jar of oil, Mike. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just a jar of oil to you and I, but when God touches upon it, <laughs> it becomes miraculous. It's just five loaves and two fish, Mike. It's just an insufficient meal. It's just a boy's lunch. Yeah, I, I realize that now, but when God's touch comes upon it, that you and I simply just need to recognize what we have. Exodus 4 and verse 2, God says to Moses, Moses, what's that in your hand? And he says it's a rod. Not that I've got time to go into it, but great miracles come. The power and, the, and God's presence is upon Moses. And God's just wanting you and I to identify what is it that we have in our heart, in our home, in our lives, and in our hands. That we can simply now put it into His hands. It's found that miracles of multiplication always begin with the recognition of what we have is that Jesus cannot multiply that which we have not recognized. Would you and I consider in this season, what is it actually that God has placed inside of us and identify we have a meal, a meal for one, an insufficient meal, a meal that will fill the boy's stomach, but a meal that won't fill 5,000 men plus women and children's stomachs. Sometimes we think that God can't do anything with what we have. That what we actually have can't make any difference at all, but Jesus is simply saying to us, would you just give it to me? Would you just recognize it? At times you may look and see the dream that's in your heart and you now look and see what's in your hand and there's a total mismatch. But how can that ever take place? How can that prophetic word of my life ever take place? And God's wanting to say to us this morning, would you just let him be God? He says to the disciples, you know what? Your five loaves and your two fish, they don't scare me at all. Would you just let me get my hands on what's in your hands? Would you recognize what you have? And then the passage goes on. My next thought is this. Would you, once you have recognized what you have, would you have the courage and the strength and the ability to release what you have recognized? Verse 16, it says, then Jesus took the five loaves and the two fish. He said, Jesus sees this insufficient meal and says, they'll do me. And for each of us, we, we must position ourselves for this miracle of multiplication. And I found in, in positioning ourselves for this great miracle, we have to let go of something. Is that young boy, I don't know whether the disciples stole his lunch or whether they carried him back to Jesus. And other, I don't know. I don't know if they were just so hungry throughout the day, they just followed him around all day, just wondering, you know, if they could just get a bite of his fish roll. I, I don't know how it happened, but his lunch got into the hands of Jesus. There's some things we just need to let go of. Let go of your gifts and talents. Some of us need to let go of control. Some of us need to let go of our historical perspective of how God will move. 
And I know there's times I, I have placed a limit around this historical perspective. Is a God, you can only move in that way because that's the way you've moved in the past. I'm anticipating you're going to move in this way. No, no, Mike Mulherry, let go of your historical perspective and grab a hold of the fact that God's ways are higher than my ways, that His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. See, to be positioned for a miracle of multiplication, you have to let go of something. I wonder what that is. And here this verse says that Jesus, He takes the five loaves and the two fish. He takes that which is insufficient. And there is a transfer that takes place. Would you release what you have recognized? And this transfer is so powerful. Is a transfer goes from natural hands into supernatural hands. From natural hands into holy hands. From a natural hand into a God who is all-knowing, all-powerful, all-present. Would you and I treat that transfer moment as a holy moment? We may look and say, this is not enough. But Jesus is simply saying, would you just put it in my hands? Because they are supernatural hands. I can do something with whatever you put inside of my hands. I love that God would always accept what you and I give to Him. At the end of every day, I can give Him my greatest failings and my greatest mistakes. And through His precious blood washes me clean. I can give Him my greatest challenges. I can give Him an insufficient meal to feed a multitude of a few loaves and fish. Is you and I can give him the most expensive bottle of perfume and break it op- open over his, li- over his, his life. Is that Jesus will always accept what we give him. But the only thing I found he never accepts is duplicity of heart. That heart that's divided. That on Sunday my heart's all for God and on Monday, Monday my heart's all for myself. That he says to the Israelites, how long will you falter between two opinions? If God is God, let's serve Him. And if He's not God, go do your own thing. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And so God is saying, would you trust me? Once you have recognized what you have, would you actually release that into my hands? See, as long as you and I are determined... The five loaves and two fish in our lives and in Jesus' hands won't do anything. Just keep it. But if you dare to believe that the five loaves and the two fish that God's placed in your life, that God can do the miraculous in His hands, would you release it to Him? Because it's in that moment that His promises are activated over it. Not my promises, God's promises. And I, I want God's promises to be activated over my life. Or would you release what you have recognized and just allow God to do what God needs to do? In verse 16, it says, And he took the lo- five loaves and the two fish, and looking up to heaven, he blessed. The next thought is, would you allow God to bless? what you've placed into his hands. Could you imagine that moment if you were sitting on the hillside that day in a deserted place, that Jesus, the Son of God, looks up 
into the heavens. And he blesses. Let's time out for a moment. This is a, this is a powerful moment. This is a life-changing moment for all of us. See, to be, for Jesus to bless something, it means that he's, he's praying and declaring that God's divine favor would be upon that thing. And so he looks up to heaven, he blesses, he's saying, Heavenly Father, would you put your divine favor upon this which is insufficient? This is the first time outside of the week of creation where God blesses something that does not have vitality, that does not have life, that does not have movement. It's so significant for you and I. It's the first four days of creation, the patterns are same. As God puts the, the firmament in place, He separates the land, the waters come on the faces of the earth, it, He sets it into place the, you know, the, the moon and the sun and the stars. And at the end of the days, He looks back and says, good. Day five comes and He creates the birds of the air and the fish of the sea. And God does something that He has never done before at the end of that day. It's not just good, it's very good. And he says these words, that he blesses them. He blesses the birds and he blesses the fish and says to be fruitful and multiply. Day six comes, he creates the living creatures that walk on the earth. He takes dirt from the ground. He fashions mankind and he breathes the breath of life into mankind. The end of day six, he looks back and says, well, this is the first time he says it. It's very good. He doesn't say it on day five, sorry. It's just good on day five. But day six, it's very good. He does the same pattern as day five. He blesses it and says, be fruitful and multiply. Day seven comes around and it says that God blesses and he sanctifies the seventh day as a day of rest. This is the first time God blesses something that does not have life and vitality. He blesses the seventh day. And now we fast forward thousands of years later and he's standing in a deserted place. There are thousands look upon him. He has a lifeless fish and a couple of bread rolls. And he looks up to heaven, and he says, Heavenly Father, would you bless? Would you bless this? And for you and I, whatever we now place in the hands of Jesus, he can bless. It's not just something that has breath and life and vitality. When you and I release offering into his hands, he blesses it. When you and I release our gifts and talents into His hands, He blesses it. When you and I release time into His hands, He blesses it. God says to Abram back in Genesis chapter 12, we know He blesses humanity. He says to Abram, I'll make you a great nation and I will bless you. I will put you my divine favor upon your life. I will give you supernatural advantage. I'm going to give you some preferential treatment moving forward. and I'll make your name great and you shall be a blessing. As we know God can bless our individual lives, but He can bless whatever we place in His hands. And God blesses us for the pure reason that you and I would be a blessing to those around about us. And that is what faith, love, hope season looks like. That God would bless us so that we could bless others around about us. I have found that Jesus blesses us blesses what we give Him, not because of its worth, 
that through his power, he makes them worthy of his praise. Five loaves, two fish, they are literally worthless. But God blesses that which is worthless and says they can now be turned into something that's worthy of my praise, that God could be glorified. <laughs> Not you and I would be glorified. And so this morning, I'd love us to take up our offering right now. And there's going to be ways to give. It's going to be on the screen behind there. Buck is going to come along shortly. But in this moment, I, I want you to realize that God can bless. God can bless our finances. What, what we place into his hand, he, he can bless it. Just as he blessed a few loaves and fishes. And this morning, more than anything else, this is a holy moment. This is a moment of transference. It's a moment of trust. It's a moment where we're leaning into God, where something is coming from our natural hands and now we're putting into supernatural hands. From natural hands into holy hands. And that whatever is in the hands of God is that God does what He needs to do. And I have found He just continues to multiply. That whatever you you and I sow, He puts us into a position that we press down, shaken together, running out all over as we bring our tithes and offerings into a storehouse, his response is, uh, let me open up the windows of heaven and pour out such a blessing over your life. It, it, it's, a, it's a holy moment. So Heavenly Father, this morning, as we sow in financially of our tithes and our offerings, as we're generous in nature and in heart, Father, I pray that you would bless it. Father, that many would come into the knowledge of Jesus Christ right across our great city, nation, and world. Father, as you've given seed to the sower to sow, we sow faithfully. And we thank you that when your touch is upon it, Father, you activate the principle of reaping. It's seed time and harvest. It's the eternal principle. And so, Father, we just thank you for your faithfulness. We thank you for your favor. We thank you for your blessing over your lives. And right now, Father, we release what you've entrusted to us in your wonderful name. And we all said, amen. Thank you so much, host team. Would you enable God just to bless what you place inside of his life? And the passage goes on, he blessed and broke them and gave them to the disciples. I love this process of God. These loaves and fishes are put in his hands. He looks up to heaven. Well, first he accepts it. He looks up to heaven. He says, Father, would you bless it? And then after it being blessed, it's now broken in the hands of Jesus. You see, it has to be broken before it can be multiplied. He takes it, he blesses it. If you did a stock take right there in that moment, if you did an inventory count in that moment, there, there are five loaves and there are two fish. That's the count. But when Jesus starts to break it, that's when we start to lose count because the blessing is in the breaking. That that which refuses to be broken refuses to be blessed and multiplied. See, that the breaking of life produces the blessing of life. And here in these just food items, as Jesus breaks them, they start to multiply And this morning, I don't know where you may be situated, but if you are feeling broken, that's okay. And it's okay if you are broken 
in the hands of God. It's not a good position to be if you are broken outside of the hands of God. As a brokenness will, is always the path to new life, a reshaping and a remolding. Jeremiah 18 says this, this is the word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord. Go down to the potter's house and there I will give you my message. So I went down to the potter's house and saw him working at the wheel. But the pot he was shaping from the clay was marred in his hands. So the potter formed it into another pot, shaping it as seemed best to him. I love this passage. Jeremiah goes down to the potter's house and he starts to watch and observe the, the master potter at the wheel. And as he is watching the master potter, the pot that he is shaping is marred in his hands. This is a picture of our lives in the hands of God. Is God's hands, they are perfect. But you and I, in His hands, at different times, we can be marred. And it's not a problem to be marred as long as your hands have got. Because God looks at that and says, you know what? I could discard it, but I'm not going to discard it. He simply says, I'm just going to reshape it, reform it. It's, it's okay to feel broken, but would you just be broken in the hands of God? Because He will reshape your life and will remold your life. He will cause a, a, it's a new path to life and to His reshaping of your life is that through our brokenness, I have found that God always seems to multiply the impact. Would you remain in the hands of God? It's okay to be marred in His hands. It's the fragility of human nature now in original sin. But in His hands, He doesn't discard us. He doesn't throw us away. He simply says, you know what? I'm going to reshape it as it seems best to me. And God always has His best intentions towards each of us. And so Jesus takes these loaves and fish and He starts to break it. I love that the quality did not change, but the quantity changed. Could you imagine the disciples as they start to distribute, <laughs> as they start to break these loaves and fishes and start giving them out to the groups of 50, that every time Peter breaks something off and gives it away, he's got just as much in his hands. And as a dad breaks it up for his family unit, he's like, just got it just as much in his hand. I, I don't know how that miracle uh, unfolded, but man, I wish I could have seen how that actually took place. At the end of this moment, thousands upon thousands of empty stomachs are now filled. Would, would you recognize what you have? Would you have the courage to release what you have recognized? Would you just give God some time to speak over what you place in his hand that he could bless it? And then would you allow him even to break it? Because it's in the breaking that has the greatest impact. And my final thought is this, in verse 17, and so they all ate when we're filled. And 12 baskets of the leftover fragments were taken up by them. My last thought is this, there is always a feast in the fragments. I personally, I don't like leftovers. You can after Dean. I love the meal the day it's made. The next day, mm, I'm not necessarily a fan. But here, 
Jesus is so specific in his instruction to the multitudes and where the crowd got engaged as well. He's saying, I know they're all full now, but I want you to have a look for the fragments that remain, the isolated bits, the disconnected bits, the little fragments are just broken away. I, I want you not to discard them or walk away from them, but I want you to gather them up. And the record is that there were 12 basketfuls left over. Is that Jesus focuses on this for a certain reason. He, he wants us to teach us a lesson about Him. It's through my journey with God, I have found that God is such a precise God. If you look at creation, He is so precise that He would locate the earth a certain distance from the sun so that we would not overcork or overchill. You look at our physical bodies and creation, He is so precise when it comes to our respiratory and circulatory system. It, it's so precise that he, he is a precise guy, God. But on this day, He's not precise at all. He, he could have multiplied those loaves and fishes so that every stomach was filled and they all just had had enough. But here God is showing a, a different nature and character of who He is. He's not just a God of more, uh, of enough. He's a God of more than enough. Is that He intentionally says that there's going to be leftovers at the end of this. Because I want to, you to see me, that I'm just not a precise guy. I'm abundant God. As David said, is my cup overflows. He's not a God that would just simply fill us to the top, to the brim, but He wants our lives to be in an overflow position. Is a, a God is never limited to our capacity. And He would continue to pour in and pour in and pour in to those that are so willing to continually to pour out and pour out and pour out. At the end of this great miracle, there are great leftovers and God is saying, you know what, I'm just not the exact precise God that you need me to be. But I'm also a God of great, I'm a, I have grace for excess, I have grace for more. I want to put you in a position to experience my nature of more than enough. This morning, would you and I just recognize what we have? You don't have nothing. You have something. And God can use that something. Would you have the boldness to release what you have recognized? Would you allow God just to speak over and to bless it, that His divine favor would come upon that which you have released? Would you enable God just to break it? Don't try to hold it all together. God just needs to break when God needs to break. And we just see that the nature of God is He desires to put you and I into an overflow position. He's a God of more than enough. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time. Thank you for listening. We pray that this message inspires you to unmistakably influence your world for good and for God. Go ahead and share it with a friend. And can I invite you to connect with us on one of our many social media platforms as well. Most importantly, if you made a decision to follow Jesus, I want to say congratulations. This is the beginning of a life-changing journey. We'd love to see you at one of our many City Point Church services around the world this Sunday. And you can find out more about our service times and locations at citypointchurch.com. We would be so thrilled to see you there.